morning. Don't waste them all on the, before I even speak. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. While you're turning, uh, I want to ask you a question. How much you pay, would you pay to be able to hear God speak? How much would, would you pay, how much money would you pay to be able to hear God speak? You know, I looked up some of the... Uh, charges that speakers were charging, right? Some of the fees that they were charging. Some of the most uh, popular speakers today are former presidents, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, George W. Bush. Uh, they can bring in $100,000 to $200,000 to speak, per speech. Donald Trump, uh, Barack Obama, same thing, around $100,000. Uh, on average, just an average, Depending on how famous or how well-known the person is, the average is $10,000 that a person gets paid to speak. And, and we pay hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars to hear famous people speak. So, again, back to my question. What would you pay? How much money would you give to hear God speak? Well, the truth is God has spoken. Many of you are holding it right now. The, the Bible is the recorded word of God. Now, the average cost for a Bible is around 20 bucks. Some Bibles cost a little bit more, some a little bit less, depending on how fancy it is. But the Bible app for your smartphone is completely free. It's free. Think about that. We can hear what God has to say about any given topic anytime we need to or, or anytime we want to. In no other time in history has God's Word been so readily accessible and, and available to us. Now we're in our Believe series and we're in week number four. And, and our key idea for this week is this. I believe the Bible is the Word of God and has the right to command my belief and actions. Now, we believe that God has spoken, and God continues to speak through His Word, the Bible. I want to give you some facts about the Bible that I found extremely interesting. The Bible is the most popular book in the entire world. Each year, there are over 100 million copies of the Bible that are sold. It's so popular that it's also the most shoplifted book in all the world. So it's most popular on both ends. It's the most popular Bible that, uh, book that is sold and the most popular book that is stolen. It's one book, right? It has, it has bookends on it. Uh, but yet it contains 66 different books or letters comprised of 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. It's written by over 40 different authors over a period of about 1500 years yet it has a continuous theme of God's love and plan of redemption the Bible has been translated into over 2,000 languages and counting this this grows all the time in comparison Shakespeare as famous as as his works were and are 
has only been translated into 50 languages. No comparison. The Bible has influenced the lyrics to songs more than any other object in the world. Now here's something that's extremely interesting. The Bible isn't most popular in America. You would think that in the United States, the land of the free, that surely the Bible would be most popular here, but it's not. The Bible was most popular in areas of Asia, specifically Southeast Asia, where in some parts of Southeast Asia, just possessing portions of the Bible, maybe even a, a single page of it, is illegal and is equivalent to owning an illegal weapon. You see, in Southeast Asia, 50 copies of God's Word are distributed every minute. Almost one copy per second. So by the time that all of us stand up and we leave here today, 3,000 copies of God's Word will be in the hands of Asians for the very first time. That's, a, that's amazing to me. Those facts are interesting, and the fact of how the Bible is gaining popularity in uh, non-Christian parts of the world is encouraging to me. But there are two facts that are very important. There are two foundational truths that I want to share with you this morning regarding the Bible. And what you'll find from this message is that it's very practical. Very practical, yet it is so important and so foundational to our faith. The first foundational truth that I want to share with you is the Bible is God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. Well, what do we mean by that? What do we mean that the Bible is God's Word? Well, we believe that the Bible is actually the words or the, the information that God wants people in this world to have. In other words, the, the information contained in the Bible comes from or originates from God. Probably the best evidence of this can be found in 2 Timothy. Hopefully you're already there. Chapter 3. Now we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today, but this section here is sort of our key scripture. It's the theme that this message is based upon. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, Paul wrote this, and this was near the end of his life. Actually, he wouldn't be alive too much longer after writing this. And it was written to a young man named Timothy. Paul wanted Timothy to know the importance of the Bible, the importance of Scripture, the importance of God's Word. So he told Timothy this. He said, all Scripture is God-breathed. God's breath is the source or the origin of Scripture. Well, you might say this. You might say, what about the human authors, right? I mean, we just mentioned those. What about those? It sounds contradictory or at least confusing to say that there are human authors, but the Bible is God's breath. Let me just explain that for just a moment. God used His Spirit to guide these men not only in what they said, what they proclaimed to people, but also ultimately what they wrote down. Look at these verses with me in Second Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin. That's, our, that's the key word there. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what Peter was saying was this. Even though men physically, literally wrote down the words, they were influenced by God's Spirit. The Lord guided them as they wrote. The Bible is God's Word. Or I like to think of it this way. The Bible is God's written message to us and for us. The second foundational truth that I want to share with you. The Bible is alive and relevant. The Bible is alive and relevant. Now, just because the Bible is extremely old and and ancient does not mean that it's not relevant. The Bible is just as relevant today as it was a thousand years ago. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates Even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So first of all, the Bible is alive. The Bible is alive because God breathed it. When God breathes, life follows. Think back in Genesis when God created Adam. He was lifeless until what? God breathed into his nostrils. We, we are physically alive, and, and we breathe because God first breathed into us. God breathed out and inspired men to write scriptures, so there's life in, in the scriptures. That's why we say that the Word of God is living, because God breathed. It's, it's alive. Also, the text, said that the text says that the Word of God is active. Well, what does that mean? Well, the writer in Hebrews explains this out a little bit. He explains that it's similar to a double-edged sword. In other words, it's sharp. So think about a single-edged sword. What is that good for? Chopping? Cutting? A double-edged sword is made for one purpose, and that's penetrating. That's penetrating. Think about this. Most books engage our minds. But the Bible, God's Word, engages our minds and penetrates our hearts. It doesn't just capture our imaginations, but it stirs and it influences our hearts. So God's Word penetrates our hearts, and it's so effective at doing this that it judges our thoughts and our actions. God's Word tells us who God is, But God's Word also reveals to us who we are. God's Word tells us how He wants us to live, but it also reveals to us the truths about our own lives. You know, the Bible is so much more than just a book. It's more than a book. It's the words of God written down to us so that we can hear from God, so that we can grow closer to Him, so that we can become less like ourselves and ultimately become more more like, like Him. So if the Bible is God's word, and if the Bible is alive and relevant, then how do we apply that to our lives? Well, based on those two truths, I have four applications for you today. First, the first thing that we need to do 
is value God's word. We need to value God's word. If we believe that the Bible is God's word, then we must value it. Think about this. What do you do with things that you value? Take care of them. You, you think about them. You, you might even talk about them a lot. You hold them close to your heart. In Matthew chapter 4, we find that Jesus was tempted by, by the devil. And each time that Jesus was tempted, he fought off the temptation with Scripture each and every time. And he says this in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now we need food, right? We could say that food is valuable. Jesus said that food isn't enough. But that man needs the word of God to live. The, the word of God should be just as valuable as food is to us. Let me ask you this. How many times a day do you eat? How many times a day do you think about food? How many times a day do you talk about food? Oh, you found this recipe on Pinterest and you just got to share it. Right? You might even get together with family members on the weekends and talk about food and share food together. You might... Go to your parents' house every evening and spend some time in fellowship and eating with them and enjoying food and fellowship. Now let me ask you this. How many times a day do you read God's Word? How many times a day do you think about God's Word? How many times a day do you talk to others about God's Word? Is it, is it just the same or more than food? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Value begins with our hearts. It begins with the way we think. We need to start thinking that the Bible is important. We need to start thinking that the Bible is precious and valuable. If, if we value something in our hearts, then our actions will support that value. If we train our minds to think, to, to value the Bible, then the actions, our actions will display what our mind thinks. We need to value God's Word. We need to see it as important to our lives. Next, we need to read and study God's Word. We need to read and study God's Word. Since the Bible is God's Word, we need to read it, right? We need to study it. At the beginning of the sermon, I gave you some statistics about the Bible. Here's some more. According to the American Bible Society, around 80% of Americans have at least one Bible. 80% of Americans have at least one Bible. The average household has 4.5 Bibles in it. Okay, the average American household has four and a half Bibles in it. However, only one in five 
read the Bible regularly. And the majority of the Americans, listen to this, the majority of Americans read their Bible four times or less in a whole year. In a whole year. You know, I had the opportunity last fall to go to Richlands High School and speak to the football team before the Union, union game. Hey, and they won this year. So, um, yeah, I guess I broke the curse. And I'm originally from Wise County, so I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore, you know. But, uh, no, so uh, I, it was great. I had the, the privilege to go and speak to these folks, these young men and ladies. Um, there was football players there, cheerleaders, coaches. I'd say there were, there were probably about 70 individuals that I spoke with before the game. So I asked them, for a show of hands, how many prayed? How many had an active prayer life? Hey, most of them raised their hands. That surprised me. Um, I asked them, how many owned a Bible? Most of them raised their hands. I asked them for a show of hands of, how many of them read the Bible more than twice a week? Three. Three raised their hands. Folks, that needs to, needs to change. That's what Community Heights Church is about. We've, we've got work to do. That needs to change. If the only Bible that you read is behind me on the screen once a week on Sundays, that needs to change. We must realize the importance of reading and studying the Bible. Let's look at our key verse again, 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Now we usually take this verse and we say, okay, that's my call to to reach out to others. I have to teach them. But what we need to realize is that this was intended for Timothy for himself. Paul wanted Timothy to have this information for himself as well. It's useful for, teach, for teaching. So guess what? We need to learn. We need to learn. It's useful for rebuking. So we need to realize that there's sometimes that we will be wrong when God's word is right. It's useful for correcting and training. So we need to read God's word in order to know and to understand how God wants us to operate and live our lives in this world. Why? Because we are servants of God with the privilege and, and the duty of doing works for God and representing Him to this world. The Word of God is what equips us to be who God wants us to be and to do the things that God wants us to do. It's the Word. It, it doesn't make sense for, for us to say that we love God and we value His Word, but yet we don't. We act like we don't need his word. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Would you go walking out in the woods at night without a flashlight? Probably not. I can remember back when I was in Boy Scouts, we went camping on High Knob. Anybody familiar with High Knob? All right, so we had this guy, same age as me, 
His name was Daryl. I'm not going to mention Daryl's last name because he might listen online or something and get embarrassed. But Daryl decided to take a walk at night to use the restroom in the middle of the night. And by that time, you know, the fire has died down. Well, Daryl didn't take a flashlight either. Guess what happened to Daryl? He got lost. Not just for a couple of hours, but it was almost a complete 24-hour period before Daryl was found. And he was wandering around on High Knob, and there's Sasquatch and wood boogers up there. <laughs> so it, not only could he have gotten lost, but he could have gotten hurt as well. You know, it's the same thing with, with God's Word. It's the same thing for us. Um, God's Word is a lamp for our feet. It shows us where we are. It shows us our current position. And it's a light on our path. It shows us where we need to go. It shows us the direction that God wants our lives to be headed. Today we have greater access to the Bible than at any other time. We have apps for our smartphones, our, our computers. You can sign up for programs to receive automatic emails that will send you Bible verses, but I want to encourage you. Use those, but also get a hard copy Bible. Get a hard copy too, to keep close to you. Keep in your car. It, there's something about being able to write down in, in, on paper in the Bible. Maybe highlight some verses that you can go back to and refer to later on in life and see how far God carries you along and how faithful He is to you. And plus, I like the fact that it's a little bit more disciplined. It's a little bit more disciplined. God's Word is important. And it needs to be taken seriously. And we need to start passing this information down to the next generation. It's so very important that we read and study the Bible. It's the flashlight in the darkness. It's the GPS. It's the map. It's the compass to help us navigate through this life. Read God's Word. I want to challenge you. If you don't have a, have a habit of reading God's Word, start that today. Even if it's just one verse. Even if it's just one chapter. Form a habit of regularly reading God's Word. So we need to read and study God's Word, but probably more important, we need to obey God's Word. We need to obey God's Word. Just having or knowing information isn't good enough. It's not good enough. If you went to the doctor and you got a, a bad report and the doctor said you need to change some things if you want to have any chance of improving your life and you didn't do that, you didn't listen to the doctor, how useful was the information that he or she gave you? The Bible's the same way. Just knowing information, just having that information isn't good enough. God's Word is intended to be both studied and obeyed. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, 
they will be blessed in what they do. Here James compares the Word of God to a mirror. A mirror that gives us a true reflection of ourselves. If we just hear the Word and we don't obey it, then it's like just glancing in the mirror. And we quickly forget the reflection that we see. But if we read the Word, if we study it, and we obey it, James says it's like looking intently into the mirror each and every day and getting a true reflection of not only who you are, but who God wants you to be. And the person that does that, James says, they will be blessed in what they do. There's value in obeying God's Word. And basically, obedience comes down to this. One word. Authority. Authority. My kids misbehave. And they misbehave a lot. Because they're kids. That's what kids do, right? But ultimately, when I play the dad card, when I take the dad card out and I throw it down on the table, they obey. They obey. Because they recognize that I have authority over them. Do you believe the Lord has authority? Do you believe that God's word has authority over your life? Do you believe God's word has authority to speak to you and to govern your life? Now, one of the greatest and probably most cherished sections of scripture to all of us, all Christians is the Great Commission. Now, it's not on your screen, but I'll just, I'll just walk through it with you. Okay? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then here comes, here comes our part. Therefore, go and make what? Go and make disciples of all nations. And then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Now, we usually cut it off right there. We're usually good with that. That's the Great Commission for us. But there's a third component to it that we often neglect. It's go make disciples of all nations. It's baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey. Obey everything I have commanded you we make disciples we baptize and we we teach obedience obedience to god's word god's word is is to be obeyed we are to obey it and we are to teach others not just the importance of reading it and studying it but obeying it finally we need to share god's word we need to share god's word if the bible really is god's word to the world, then God's word needs to be shared with the world. You see, the Bible gives people the opportunity to, to know God and to learn about God, but more importantly, the Bible will lead to Jesus Christ. It will point people to Jesus Christ. Everything in the Bible ultimately centers around Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, after Jesus was crucified, after he had been resurrected, there's this interesting period of time where Jesus appeared to people and spoke with people and engaged people. There were two men traveling down a road to a village called Emmaus. 
And these two men were discussing what had just happened. They were discussing the crucifixion. And they were discussing the fact that these women had went to the grave and the tomb was empty. And they were confused. And so Jesus encounters these two men along the way. And, and Jesus says, you are foolish. You're foolish not to believe what the scriptures have said. You're foolish not to believe what the prophets had written. So what did Jesus do? He spent time with them explaining the scriptures to them. He went home with them and it says that they broke bread. And when they broke bread, they recognized who Jesus was. But it wasn't until after Jesus explained the scriptures to them. And he broke bread with them that it says this. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, after Jesus left, these two men said this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know, there's something that God does. There's something that God does when we share the scriptures with others. Remember, it's living. It's active. And what does it do? It penetrates the heart. These two men, their hearts were burning as the scriptures were being read. And guess what? They came to recognize Jesus Christ. Later on, Jesus appeared before more disciples and said this in Luke 24. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me. That's a pretty bold statement. Jesus is saying that Old Testament that you're reading, it's all about me. Everything has to be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. And Jesus summarizes the entire Old Testament in this one phrase here. He uncovers it for them and says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The scriptures reveal God to us, but they ultimately point to Jesus Christ as God's plan of salvation, a plan of redeeming this world and restoring this right relationship to him. All scripture is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 8, we read, read about Philip. And Philip had an encounter with a government official from Ethiopia. This, this official was parked beside of the road, reading the Bible, reading the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And he didn't understand it. He was confused. So Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no. How can I unless someone explains it to me? So that's what Philip did. And what's neat is that Philip explained Isaiah and linked Isaiah to Jesus. That Ethiopian official gave his life to the Lord right there. Went down into the river and was baptized. You see, sharing God's word is a form of evangelism. It's a tool for Christ followers to use to make disciples, to make fully devoted followers of Christ. And listen... 
You don't have to be an expert. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to share the Bible, to share what you know about it, to share your story, your testimony, to share Jesus with others. Through the Bible, people can come to a knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. Through the Scriptures, people can recognize who Jesus is. They can recognize Jesus Christ. God draws people to himself. How does he do that? Through his word. Through his word. Whether it's his actual voice, whether it's his spirit, or whether it's the Bible. God is drawing people to himself. And it's our responsibility to help others discover who God is through Jesus Christ. Now the Bible is a gift, folks. It is a gift from God. The Lord could have left us with nothing. But he left us with his spirit. And he's given us his word. It's a gift. As we close, the key idea again. I believe the Bible is the word of God. And has the right to command my belief and my actions. In closing, how important is the Bible to you? If, if the Bible, if your Bible was taken away from you, would you miss it? If your Bible was taken, was confiscated from your home, would you even be able to tell? You go without bread for a while, you'll notice it, won't you? And you'll notice it pretty fast. You go without food for a while, you will be able to tell. The Bible should be the same way should be the same way. It should be just as important as food to us. Think about this. If it was important for Jesus, if it was important enough for him to, to use during times of temptation to fight off evil, if it was used by Jesus to reveal the gospel to others and to show people who he was, then what makes us think that we don't need it? Or that it's not important to us? Who are we to think that? If Jesus valued the scriptures that much. Now, while Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, the Bible can lead people to Jesus. And it can instruct those who are in Christ already how to live a life that's pleasing to God and fulfilling to them. So, the challenge for this week get one of your four and a half Bibles out. And read it, right? Read it. If you don't have one, take one out of the pew. They're, they're scattered all over the place. You will not be stealing from church. We want you to have, have one if you don't have one. And if, if you want something nicer than that, just let us know. We'll get you one free of charge. Just, just fill out a connection card. Say, I need a Bible. Put your name down, con contact information, and we will get one in your hands. Life without valuing, without Reading and studying without obeying and without sharing God's word isn't life at all. It's just existing. But a life built upon God's word is a life that God will both use and God will bless. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do thank you today for your word, for the scriptures, for the Bible. We do uh, believe that it is valuable and important to our lives.
we do believe that it needs to be read and studied. So, Father, help us to do, to do that. Help us to uh, bring some of your word into our lives each and every day. Father, your word needs to be obeyed. Help us to have the strength and the wisdom to see areas in our life that your spirit is uncovering right now where we need to draw closer to you and walk away from the earth, from this world. Help us to live lives that would honor and glorify you by sharing your word with others because the gospel is the hope of the world. And we believe you are preparing people right now to hear your word for the first time. So, Father, help us to recognize that that's what you've called us to do, to share your word with others. People need to hear about Jesus, about the salvation that's found only in him. May we do that. Thank you for being faithful and loving to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.